Oh, hello, hello, everyone. What is up? Welcome to Culture with Leslie Lee the Third. I am your host, Leslie Lee, and this is Culture. Sending out the message for the show, getting everyone in here, getting all the Expanse fans in here, getting all the box office fans in here, because I'm talking about box office today as well. Talking about the Expanse. Talking about box office, box office. You can call me Bobby Box Office. People don't know. I love talking box office, folks. I love talking box office. I love talking to winners, to losers. Who was on top? Who was on the bottom? I love box office. I'm not even in it for the movies, really. I'm in it for the box office. That's where you see the numbers. That's where it's very clear who's won, who's lost. Who's on top? Who's on bottom? But we're going to get into the weekend box office a little bit later. Very interesting weekend box office. Very dark, perhaps weekend box office. Uh, if you have, if you're so, if you love cinema, I would say this is, might be one of the more depressing <laughs> box office weekends you can ever look at. But we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Expanse. We'll talk about whatever you want to, though, because this is your show. This is a call-in show. Like every show on call-in, you can call in. You can ask me a question. You can pick a topic. You can get on the. You can get on your own soapbox. Give your hot take. I'm the host of Struggle Session. You know, a top-tier premium podcast, right? No lie. I feel like I feel like that. I feel like people feel like that. Struggle Session top-tier podcast. But it's so hard to make people, the average person's voice heard on that sort of show. You know, you got, I'm responsible for everything said on that show. Can't let everybody on the show. But this is, this is, a, this is live. This is radio. If you want to call in, give your hot take. I can't stop you. Well, I can, but I won't. Unless you make me. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today on Culture. We talk about pop culture here, as I do on Struggle Session, patreon.com slash struggle session, or sesh.plus, sesh.show for the public episodes brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Much appreciated. We got big episodes coming up this week. Did a big one on adaptations, as well as we're going to do an episode where we review that new Matrix movie that's coming out very soon. Was it about? We're only about thirty hours away from the Matrix being available. It is going to be on HBO Max. You don't have to go to the movie theaters to see it. I feel like most people, a lot of people, have actually forgotten that the Matrix is part of the harebrained scheme that Warner Bros. had to put all the movies during quarantine on HBO Max. So that's happening. You don't have to go to the theaters. You don't have to worry about Omicron. You can just stay up till 12.01. I, I think. I'm not sure. HBO Max is sometimes funny but when they post stuff. But hopefully, maybe 12.01. Maybe it's 12.01 PS2. You will be able to watch The Matrix in the comfort of your own home. You won't have to risk uh, exposure to COVID to watch it. And if you subscribe to Struggle Session, you'll be able to hear Jack and I's review we have a special guest lineup that we're very excited about, and I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to talking about it with you. 
If you have anything you want to talk about, feel free to call in. I'm up right now. Before we get into the expanse, I would just want to talk a little bit about the box office. And before I do that, I do want to mention I do have WWE Raw on in the background. I like doing it in Monday nights because I can I like doing culture on Monday nights because I can put Raw on in the background. There's always some foolishness happening that we can at least talk about on Raw. One of the possibly the worst TV show, given how long it's been on and the quality. Like, even in his best day, WWE Raw was maybe 50% good. So much bad TV every week. So much, and makes for a lot of content. It's not so bad right now. Not so bad right now. It's got Bobby Lashley MVP coming out. But let's get into the show. This box office weekend, folks, did you see these numbers? Maybe you don't, maybe you, you don't see these numbers. Because maybe the general public doesn't see these numbers. I'm I'm personally I'm a pro. I'm on IMDB Pro. I don't think they let everybody in there. I don't think they give everybody an IMDB Pro membership who just signs up for it and ass. I don't think that's how it works. Pretty sure that's not how it works. I got a special invitation to IMDB Pro. These only for the industry do you get these numbers. And these numbers <laughs> spell disaster. For the future of cinema, I feel like uh, not not to exaggerate, but it's probably possibly the worst, the worst of all worlds. Because of course, under COVID, movies have been struggling. Lots of great films have gone unseen for reasons that are you know good, bad, whatever. You know, we have a pandemic going on. Sometimes it gets better. Sometimes it gets, it gets worse. Sometimes it's maybe safer to go out. Sometimes maybe it's not. Sometimes great movies have gotten passed by because of how the scheduling has gotten messed up. Uh, how the av- or maybe some studios, and I'll, maybe we'll have to get into this. But when you look at a movie like um, The Last Duel, which just did not get the promotion that you expect from that sort of movie, an Oscar baiting movie with big stars, tons of big stars, really Scott behind it, and a good ass movie. That hits a few quadrants. That's for adults. But also people who've seen Marvel movies. And Star Wars movies. Know some of these people in it. So. And some people are saying. I'm not saying. Bobby Box Office isn't quite ready to say this. But people are saying. That there's been a sort of deliberate attempt by Disney. To sink it's the Fox catalog. As these films are coming out. In order to. I don't know. I don't know what the end goal is ultimately. But that is the accusation. That is a deliberate sabotage. And when you look at these numbers. You can kind of see it. So. First thing. The total box office for the weekend. It was like double. What any other weekend this year. Double. It's not just the best weekend of the year. It's like twice as good as any other. The. The next closest was Thanksgiving, which was like 140 million total. But that was 140 million spread out around like five movies. I can, you know, name you the movies. You had Encanto, which I think maybe was um, its first week there, 40 million. Ghostbusters Afterlife, hey, 35 million, second week. House of Gucci's there, Eternals is there, even Resident Evil Raccoon City's there. 
Yeah, all the money kind of spread out like a normal box office weekend, just a lot smaller um, than you would expect for Thanksgiving. But then, and that's the, and that's the, uh, that's the, um, and that, that's the five day weekend number, the 140. The five day weekend was 140 for Thanksgiving. The just regular weekend for this past weekend was $282 million. $282 million box office. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, wait. Hey, Encanto's still pretty new. Ghostbusters still pretty fresh. Nightmare Alley, that just came out. Guillermo del Toro movie. Resident Evil, maybe it's still hanging on. Hey, I heard Dune was getting a re-release. Maybe and Venom was getting a re-release. No, no, no. It's it's not that at all. Of the two hundred and eighty million that was in this past weekend's box office, two hundred and sixty million was just for a Spider-Man No Way Home. Two hundred and sixty million dollars for Spider-Man No Way Home, just by itself. Just shattering everything in the past year uh for domestic US. Just incalculable amounts of money in a pandemic, especially on a weekend where most people have spent all of their time worried about the pandemic getting worse, worried about Omicron. People are really scared, but not so scared that they don't want to go see Spider-Man, which is personally a little shocking to me. I didn't think people were going to be done with superhero movies after Shang-Chi and Eternals. I knew... That was horseshit. Because I always believed there was some truth to the idea that the negativity towards Shang-Chi and especially internals was partially due to the fact that it wasn't about, you know, the main white guy superheroes. And so I knew whatever backlash Eternals was feeling, some of it was genuine, but there was a certain percentage of it that was just people who would get back on board for Spider-Man. And everybody seemed to get back on board for Spider-Man. Another, which surprised me a little bit still because this movie seems so bizarre and alienating to me. Like, what could is the plot of this movie? But I don't think people care. I think it was just like, oh, there's a new Spider-Man. We have to go see Spider-Man. I feel like that's all it is. If maybe you feel differently, maybe you have a different theory about this weekend's box office, feel free to call in at any time. Raise your hand, dial in, get in here if you want to give your thoughts on the weekend box office. But two sixty million, two sixty for Spider Man, Encanto six and a half, West Side Story three point six. West Side Story, I, I'm sure you all know, it's not doing well. Pretty embarrassing for Steven Spielberg. Besides the box office, you also have credible charges against the lead actor, Ansel Elgort. And hey, guess what? He has a big project with HBO coming out soon. Tokyo Vice. Uh, Another thing that was kind of pushed back, delayed, messed with by COVID. This guy has been canceled for like a full year while he has projects waiting to come out. And they're just going to put them out. They're they're not going to not put them out. They're not going to not try to make their money back. But yeah, that's just what it is. 
Ghostbusters Afterlife, three point four million. Ghostbusters Afterlife, hundred and seventeen million dollar total. Not that bad for a, a pandy a pandemic release of a mo- movie that seemingly was for nobody, but apparently was. Jack and Jack said on the show um, on Struggle Session that there were a lot of kids who had just been brainwashed by their parents into liking Ghostbusters and. They were happy to see the kids' version of the Ghostbusters. God bless them. Personally, I I liked that as a kid. I got the adult version of Ghostbusters. And I was just surprised that this movie didn't try to recapture that. A movie for kids and adults. A movie for adults that kids can enjoy. I was a little surprised by that. But number five on the box office. This is the one a lot of people are talking about. Nightmare Alley. Debut two point eight million. That is rough. That is rough for Guillermo. That is rough for Bradley Cooper. Especially, I mean, for a debut, for a movie, I thought it looked pretty good. I thought it looked pretty good. Another adult thriller. Guillermo coming off that, you know, coming off an Oscar win. Coming off an Oscar win. Not what you want to see. Not not what you want to see at the box office. I, I feel for him. I feel for him. But not a great marketing push from what I could see. And then it's coming out against Spider-Man. Same company. Disney Fox. Fox Nightmare Alley is on Fox Searchlight and it just gets swallowed by Spider-Man that's coming out on the same while it's coming out on the same weekend. This is where the conspiracy theories start coming in about Disney deliberately sinking their Fox catalog. I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but I'm willing to entertain it. I'm willing to believe it. I'm willing to believe it. Man, 2.8 million, not not good. I mean, it feels like they could have just released that on like an app at this point. They could have put that on, you could put that on Hulu. That's like, that's Hulu movie numbers, 2.8 million. Let me see the budget of this. Let me see the budget. Budget Nightmare Alley. If you have. Budget sixty million, so not not a big, not a huge movie, but certainly they they expected more than three million back. Coming off the Shape of Water, I mean, you have to expect more. Shape of Water total box office two hundred million, budget of about twenty million. Hurts to see, hurts to see. But I think it's clear that it's not really the fault of the movie or the actors or the director. This is a movie clearly, whether deliberately or not, mismanaged by Disney, Fox, Hulu, everything. But that's the box office for this weekend. Pretty dark, pretty grim to see a brand new adult movie 
make no money while at the same it would be one thing if spider-man was kind of middling if spider-man was like the previous debuts where it's like you know 90 million 100 million whatever but no this had a pre-pandemic debut that's rough to see and then absolutely positively no one cares about anything else that was the clearest thing about this weekend that is just actually true that people only care about Marvel movies. And that's it. And that's unfortunate. That's really sad. I I didn't want to believe it in my heart and my soul. But how can you deny it? How can you possibly deny it now? 260 million during the pandemic, during a surge, during Omicron. And then all those people, they're like canceling other screening screens of other movies because everybody wants to go see what has to be the worst Spider-Man movie. Has to be horrible. Has to be. But it has Spider-Man in it. And it's new. Sad. Sad state of affairs at the box office. I digress. But getting into the next part of our show. Another thing that was, I'm, I feel like an, a, like Nightmare Alley, maybe high quality, not a lot of people talking about it. The Expanse. The Expanse is back. Season six. It felt like I was waiting for this thing to come back for so long. And now that it's here, I'm so excited to talk about it and nobody else is watching it. Everybody's just waiting until all the episodes come out. I couldn't wait. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. If you want to talk about it, please feel free. Call in right now. I want to talk Expanse with some people because I'm a, I am a late comer to Expanse, very very late to Expanse. I did not get into it until the pandemic. It was a pandemic first view for me, first serious view. I had tried to watch it once or twice. I had gotten through the first couple episodes, and it just didn't hook me. It just never hooked me. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I was kind of put off by Tom Jane's hat. That's part of it. The hat makes sense in context. The hat makes sense in context. But when you see that hat in the show, and you know this is a show that was on the sci-fi channel, it just automatically makes you feel like, uh, this is this is kind of some cheap bullshit. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. Even though it's a really well-made show, clearly, but there was just something about that hat that was like, oh, this isn't. Like a real thing. They made they probably made this in Canada or something. <laughs> so that I don't know. Even though it expands very good production values, but it just didn't hook me immediately. But once I got into it, man, I got into it. Probably the finest science fiction TV show since the early seasons of Battlestar Galactica. Really dig it. Really dig it. I think every sci-fi fan should be watching the expanse. It's, you know, got great action, great great characters, really engaging story once you get into it. It takes a while for everything to coalesce. In fact, the first season may not make a lot of sense at all because they throw a lot of info at you. If it feels like you've just been dropped into a game of Dungeons and Dragons midway through, that's because that's what (laughs) Expanse is. 
it is like a campaign that people turn uh, these authors. Uh, uh, it's two writers that go by together, go as James as a Corey, and did start as a D and D campaign, and you can feel it when watching the show and when reading the books. Because I got into the books after getting into the show, and the books are very good. I really enjoy them. Rip roaring sci fi action fantasy with some hard sci fi twists. I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit, but you know, that is one of the interesting things about The Expanse that it mixes this very grounded, hard science fiction, you know, kind of posture and aesthetic. But ultimately, the story is about space magic and fantasy in a lot of ways. And it, 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 it the way it can go back and forth between the two and I, and space magic might be uh, lighting up a bit because it's also very Lovecraftian influenced on uh, certain levels as well. But there is this, you know, this huge supernatural element, supernatural at the very least element to it while also being lots of hard sci-fi spaceships aren't flying hotel rooms. They're, you know, vehicles. One little fuck up will get you killed quick in the expense. Life is cheap. Capitalism is rampant. All the assholes won. Basically, the villain of the first season is like a tech guy. At least the first couple of books is like a tech guy. It's like tech companies and mercenaries. (laughs) Are the villains, but most people most people are kind of pieces of shit in the expansive. If we're being real, everything sucks. Going out of space sucks. Everything has gotten worse. But there's also this supernatural element that they kind of drive in, where there's this alien, advanced alien technology that is also fucking turns people into like the thing you know from John Carpenter or like very similar to Dead Space it's like Dead Space mixed with Contact you know I mean not Contact what's a a good gritty see the thing is The Expanse is probably also one of the better gritty realistic hard sci-fi adaptations as well it's very like even if you excised the you know the horror elements and the fantasy elements i think this show and the and the books would be are pretty amazing just because it's real good solid hard sci-fi about what the what our near future of space travel could look like and how it could still uh suck and be horrible uh to live in maybe alien maybe alien very simple shares a lot of dna with alien I think alien, you know, humanity is is has expanded much more than what we have in the expanse. Expanse is just inside the solar system, and we can't stop killing each other. We can't stop killing each other long enough to explore outside the solar system. It's so wild. How I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. And if you want to call in and talk expanse, please feel free to do so. I'm taking calls at any time. Just raise your hand, press a button. I don't want to get too into the weeds for anybody who hasn't seen The Expanse, but if you haven't seen The Expanse, you have to watch The Expanse. 
you have to watch The Expanse. I think the show is really good. You're not going to understand the first season. That's that's where I started off on this tangent. You're not going to understand the first season because if you are dropped into a world that is already built out and you just hear these things, you hear about the Beltas and the Ennas, and you do, it, it's not really explained to you what any of these terms mean. You just have to pick it up. You even pick up the uh, language, the Creole language that the Beltas, who are the, you know, the, the more like the, um, the proletariat, I guess. No, well, that's 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 reductive. I should say the people who work who do most of the work in the galaxy out on the asteroid belt. They have their own language, their own culture, very interesting stuff. But you only pick up these bits just from seeing it. No one gives you a big lecture like they do on most TV shows. So that makes the first couple of episodes a little off putting. But once you get into the show, you realize why they kept that pace, because they got a lot of shit to get to. And you just got to try and keep up with it. Which is a lot to ask for most TV viewers now, especially when, like, the first season is the prequel. You know, the first season for a lot of shows is, like, the prequel. Like, the characters all meet in the season finale. Expanse, Expanse moves a little bit faster than that. They got a lot of ground and cover. And I should mention the TV show... Is wrapping up this season, season six. The book, I think the last book just came out. And there's going to be three books of material that take place after the TV show. Which is a little bit disappointing, but there's a reason for it. And this was planned out according to the creators of the show. It's just that when they were on the sci-fi channel, they were always on the cusp of getting canceled. And so they had a five-year a six-year plan for the show, a finish for the show written that they say would be satisfying even if it's not the same finish that the book has, the book series has. So I I was reading the interviews with the creators, so that's why they're wrapping it up a little bit early because they already had this finish planned as opposed to trying to do those next three books, which I hear have a big time jump anyway, so it I don't know. I might, maybe they could have, I personally would have just rather that they handed off to other showrunners if they weren't bored. I like The Expanse a lot. I'm kind of sad we're only getting now four more episodes. Doesn't seem like enough to wrap everything up if I'm being honest with you because we, we've gone in season six now. We've gone from exploring these, the wormholes that they find to these other parts of the galaxy to humans killing each other with rocks. Which is good, which is cool, which is an intriguing storyline. But I want to know about the hundreds of portals to the other worlds. Like, what's going on with that? Like, I know humans want to kill each other for money and resources. But what's up with the, like, the warring alien races that we accidentally got caught in the crossfire of and now we have their te- access to their technology and all these pre-selected worlds that they were living on. I don't know. We haven't gotten a lot of that in season six yet. Only four episodes left. I hope we get a little bit more. Because <laughs> the last season, season five, really, not season five, season, I think it was season four. 
where they spent all that time on that planet, but nothing really happened. Re- yeah, it was season four. And that season, especially knowing how quickly they're wrapping it up, feels like a missed opportunity to kind of move things forward in the plot. It was the first season where they went to Amazon, and the show just felt so much smaller and actually more like a sci-fi channel show. Just people walking through corridors, talking in rooms, all in the same place, when before it was just this intergalactic, multi-world, galaxy-spanning epic, and then it got real small. And now it's getting a little bit bigger. Now it's now it's, it's still it's interstellar, you know. It's in this it's in the solar system at least again, instead of just one planet. But it's not as big as I expected it to be by the end. But I'm still enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. I just it's just that timer on. It's like knowing there's only four more episodes. There's no way they can wrap this up. But I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. I like the last episode especially. That scene, the action scene in it, maybe one of the best action scenes they've done on The Expanse. I really like their approach to action. And it comes from the books too. It's not big, epic, back and forth fights that you see in a lot of stuff. And I love those, of course. But those are for action movies and The Expanse isn't really an action thing. It's supposed to be realistic on that level so you die quick one shot you're 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 done one grenade can take out the ship you know what i'm saying so it's very quick very skin of the teeth sometimes things can be very one-sided this flat latest episode had a really great battle where shit just kept going wrong for the protagonist it's like oh we were going to do x but this happened. We we're going to do Y, but that happened. Naomi's having a panic attack. So Peaches has to go out. We can't get close enough to the ship. The ship's faster than us. So Bobby has to jump to the other ship. Great scene, by the way. It's what I used for the preview of the show. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, all right, I got to talk Expanse now. I'm not going to wait till the end of the season. I'm not going to wait to struggle session. I got to talk expanse now. If you want to talk expanse, please hit me up. But that's that action scene with Bobby. I love Bobby so much. I love Bobby so much. I feel like her character is kind of wasted though. Because the least, she's had the the least interesting storylines in both the book and the show. I think it's a problem with the book and the show. Because they they set her up to be this big badass warrior, but literally the first and only thing she does for like the first you know season book that she's around is just get her ass whooped and get all her squad killed. The show actually makes it worse because they they kind of introduce her as like supposed to be this you know great leader of her crew when she's supposed to be when in the book they introduce her and she's more like you know just another grunt on this bullshit mission that nobody really cares about it's boring she's waving at the 
um, Earth soldiers, you know, they're cracking jokes. It's not supposed to be like a tense situation. So you're not ramped up to see her kick in the ass. It's the exact opposite. It's like, it's all, it's all, all is quiet. And then the shit starts popping off. And so it makes her look kind of weak in the show, which just seems like a, a, a rare misstep for the show because the show does a great job at adapting stuff. In the book, she you don't get any of that. They're just bored. But in the show, it tries to build her up, and then she gets her ass kicked. And then doesn't do anything until, like, two seasons later. But I digress. Looks like we have our caller, Marshall. Thank you so much. Feel free to unmute your mic at the bottom. Everybody forgets you have to unmute at the bottom. Hey, how's oh, it going? How are you? I'm good. Good, good. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> like, conspiracies. That It's a big concern for me. All right, what you got? So if you think about it, uh, how this COVID-19 stuff is all going on, you know, and how 9-11 was and, like, like, and you know, what the government is hiding from us that they're not telling us that people are believing the lies that the government is telling us. As Sorry, as an example, like, um, like 9-11, if you think about it, they say it was a terrorist attack. But if you think about it, there was also an explosion before the planes hit the building in some conspiracies. And everybody believes different things. Well, look, I'm not a conspiracy expert, but here's what I can tell you and I can tell everybody else. Check out Robbie Martin, Fluorescent Gray. Uh, He has a fantastic show. And he talks about all this. He gets into it. He's not afraid. He's a great guy. He's the brother of Abby Martin, who um, used to ho- uh, host, uh, gr- who also is a great journalist in her own right. But Robbie Martin, he's a good friend of mine. And he gets into all the, you know, mm-hmm. kind of scary conspiracy theories that people don't want to talk about, even people on the left. But he's a committed leftist. He's someone I would trust mm-hmm. to walk, talk me to me about any conspiracy theory i'm not an expert on it but i would definitely recommend check out robbie martin you can look him up he's fluorescent gray on twitter he has a great uh show called media roots radio they're great podcasts they get into all the conspiracy theories from a committed leftist perspective that doesn't get into any sort of anti-semitism or anything like that so please 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 Check him out. I'm not the expert on the conspiracy theory. That's, I'm more the true crime guy. But Robbie Martin, I would trust him. If you're a fan of Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of that sort of thing, go get Robbie. Go get Robbie. That's what I recommend. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Marshall. You're welcome. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much, Marshall, for hitting me up. I'm glad I can recommend Robbie to you. That's the Conspiracy not really my thing. I'm I if where my conspiracy zone in my brain is, that's my true crime brain. That's my that's where I have the true crime gene. Maybe I think maybe some people got the true crime gene, some people got the conspiracy gene. I got the true crime gene. But Robbie can help you out in a committed way talking about conspiracies. Abby Martin too. Great people. Some of my favorite people. Fans of science fiction too. Fans of nerd stuff, too, I'm always surprised because they're so in the serious about politics, but they can talk you under the table about comic books. I remember, actually, I, the first time I met Abby, it was at a live Katie Hopper show, 
and she had like a book a book with her. And I kind of snuck a peek at it, kind of starting to see what it was. And it was actually a comic book. I think it was, it was, um, I, it was, it was a science fiction comic. I forget the name of it. It was the big science fiction comic that everybody was getting into a couple of years ago. Um, I forget. Oh, Saga. Saga. That's what it was. She, yeah. She had, she had the first edition of Saga. I was like, oh, she's even cooler than I, I thought she was. She, I thought Abby, I thought she was, oh, she's just this great journalist and she's got you know, pretty good taste in comic books or at least she's, you know, trying some new shit. So great people, uh, Robbie and Abby Martin, please check them out. Expanse. If you have any, if you have any questions, calls, want to call in about anything, Expanse, box office, feel free to do so. I'll keep taking your calls. I still have W Raw in the background. And I got to say, even though I'm not a WWF fan, I never will be again. It seems like they're trying, just from the booking. I'm not watching the matches, really. But from the booking perspective, they're trying to make the show a little bit better. It's like it seems like there's serious singles matches happening. People are getting their real interests. It's like, you know, they're kind of trying to take it a little bit seriously. AEW is coming for him. AEW is coming for him. I know the ratings have slowed down on AEW, but it's they're coming. They're coming. I think, and I think Vince knows that, so he's trying to up his game a little bit. Not going to get me to watch, but God bless him. <laughs> oh, before I go back to the expanse, I I feel remiss. I would feel remiss if I didn't talk about this quick wrestling tidbit. This quick wrestling tidbit that just absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. Because you know what Google does, right? Whenever you watch Google something, they uh, Google a topic, wrestling, a certain wrestler, a certain movie. They send you all these articles about it. Well, of course, I, you know, follow a lot of wrestling and search a lot of wrestling. They send me articles about Booker T all the time. Because Booker T has a podcast, and every day he says something goofy on his podcast, pretty much. It's dangerous having a podcast, folks. I know it's hard. It's, it's strange for me to say it, but it is dangerous to have a podcast. Because you can just talk. You just get talking and saying stuff you don't need to be saying out in public. And Booker T is one who does this a lot. And this story he told, man. So Booker, so for people who don't know, Booker T, legendary wrestler, fair to say, legendary. No one's going to get mad at you if you say he's a legend. One of the best of all time, multiple-time world champion, WCW, WWE, TNA. Everywhere he's gone, he's been loved. He's talented in the ring. He's talented on the mic. He's popular. He's respected. All this sort of stuff. And he's been there for a while. In fact, he was... Even before he came to WWE, he had been a multiple-time world champion. Now, when WWE bought WCW, Booker T was one of the first people they bring in. But apparently, fairly when Booker T first came in, he was not changing in the actual locker room with the rest of the wrestlers. 
with the WWE wrestlers. Maybe this was something that all the happened to all the WCW guys. But they, he was not changing with the other. And this is a world champion. This is someone they signed. This is an employee besides that. But he was changing, I don't know, I guess in the bathrooms, you know, or something. But he wasn't changing in the locker room. This is a quote from him on the show. I remember coming to work one day and Undertaker said, Undertaker, another wrestler, WWE veteran, big tall white guy, Booker T black guy. That is important to know. Hey, man. And Undertaker said to Booker T, hey, man, why don't you come and dress over here with us? That was the first time I dressed in the TV locker room. I earned that respect and it paid off. I always tell people, you got to know how to make it in the locker room before you ever have a chance of making it in the ring. And I say that because I came from WCW and every WCW guy, none of them knew how to make it in the locker room. They could work. They didn't know how to make it in the locker room. Booker T. The headline of this article, brother, is Booker T recalls when Undertaker gave him permission to change in the WWE locker room. Permission. Permission to change at his workplace into his work outfit for his job. And that is, of course, Booker T is a black wrestler. A black wrestler I loved, looked up to as a black child. And he's talking about how Undertaker gave him permission to change in the locker room. Crazy. I don't know why people would tell this story. But that's just the sort of, that's the environment WWE has. But back to the expanse. Great show. Great show, but I don't know how they're gonna finish it up. Every episode so far has in the season has been great. I they're moving the plots forward, lots of interesting things going on, but the world is so big, I don't know how they can finish it off. And I've been reading getting reading the books. And the books are good. The books are good. I highly recommend the books to anyone. Not the best pros in the world. And it does feel like you're reading a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. You can hear the skill checks. And you can hear the dice rolling when you're reading the story. Okay. It's like Miller passes an empathy check, saves humanity. Pratt's fails. An intimidation check. Gunfight ensues. 11 people dies. It, it, it really is quite obvious. But it works. It works on a certain level. And you see the characters. They're all like their class archetypes. You have your Amos, your brawler. Naomi. You got... so you Oh, you have um, Peaches... Is like what would you what would Peaches be? She would be like a enhance someone who's enhanced because she has like superpowers, but they only work for a limited amount of time. Amos is like Amos is like your heavy, your fighter. I'm not the biggest D and D fan, so I I know the classes from video games. So I'm not, I'm not. This is more of a tabletop scenario. Bobby, obviously a you know ultramarine. <laughs> Bobby is like from 40k. I do want to mention the books are the show is very diverse, but so are the books. Like Bobby in the books is a six foot tall woman of Maori ancestry, which she is in the show. 
I, Aversala is a foul-mouthed septuagenarian Indian woman in the books and in the show. Nailed it. They nailed a lot of this stuff. The way that Amos can only smile halfway, uh, only makes a smile that never reaches the corners of his eyes, just like the books. It's actually impressive how the books, how cinema, how not cinematic, what would you call the, the TV version of cinematic? But whatever, whatever that, I don't know, televisic, perhaps we'll call it, how televisic it is, the books are. Because you can tell these are writers who understand TV. And it's a rip-roaring adventure. It's not like a sci-fi sci-fi books, if I'm being honest with you. They're, they are more, they are, they are popular. Even though they have a, hard, a lot of hard sci they have hard sci-fi rules, but they're not written in the same style that a lot of hard sci-fi is. It is more breezier, faster. They skip over the boring parts. They'll skip over a few weeks, a few months. To get to the next plot point. But it works for the show. Because you have so much going on. The world is so big. I love the Expanse books. I'm looking forward to really getting into them. I'm really interested in the stuff past the show. And I'm looking forward to the end of the show. But I, I have a feeling. That's probably going to feel pretty bittersweet. Because as I said. it's like a, The story just opens up. Like a flower. Where it starts from this very small thing this very small incident this this girl is missing she's um she's a failed daughter it literally starts because some failed daughter goes missing because she's larping as like a member of dsa that she's like she so some rich failed daughter is larping as a member of dsa gets pulled into some radical action that ends up getting just on happenstance hijacked by some pirates that have connection to this thing called a protomolecule, which is this alien particle that people have discovered. And it ends up changing the fate of humanity forever. Just one failed daughter who got tired of racing, being a, a spaceship racer, and decided to, I'm going to do some good in the world. Is the equivalent? I, I, I don't know who would be the equivalent. Maybe who would be the real life equivalent of, of Julie in the Expanse? I don't know. I don't. Most of our rich kids don't care that much, unless they're like celebrities. They don't really care. They don't really bother. I don't think. I don't think any, any of the failed children, like our failed children, just like only get worse. I don't know. Do you know any failed celebrity failed? Non-celebrity failed children who are socialists or activists. Non-celebrity failed children who are legitimate activists. It's hard to think of any <laughs> for, for obvious reasons. If anybody wants to call in, talk expanse, talk anything else, feel free to do so. Please dial in on the calling up. App. My name is Leslie Lee III. This is Culture. This is my show. I'm doing once or twice. A, I'm doing twice a week at least. Two or three times a week now. It's your show. Call in show. Anything you want to talk about, please feel free to call in. Also hitting up pop culture topics that maybe I don't get into in struggle session. 
because you know in struggle session we try to do deep dives we if we were watching a movie we'll, we'll try to watch the whole series we might read a book we'll read articles this show just kind of diving in look at an article or two see what's what and speaking of did y'all see that Northman trailer? The Northman trailer. New one by Robert Eggers. Highly recommend taking a little time out of your day, watching it on the biggest screen you can. Absolutely stunning trailer. Best that any Scars Guard has ever looked. Most badass any Scars Guard. Has ever looked. My dude looks like straight. He's like rock size in this. And he's a Viking. And it's just a straight up tale of Viking revenge. Very reminiscent of Frank Fuzetta, Conan Barbarian. Looks so good. Looks so good. Eggers, director of The Witch. Director of Lighthouse. This is a guy. I like this guy. This is a, this is a guy trying doing something interesting. I know people have heard me kind of knock Villeneuve. I don't know what he's really doing. Trying to do with film. Robert Eggers is trying to do something. He's still working in genre. He's still making horror movies and action movies. I mean, really, the Northman looks like that damn Assassin's Creed game. But cinematic. You know what I'm saying? Assassin's Creed, but make it cinematic. I dig it. Dig it a lot. A little bit, maybe a little bit of Dark Souls, too. Oh, and very heavy references to Conan the Barbarian in the movie. In the trailer, at least, like almost shot for shot <laughs> copy of Conan the Barbarian. I think that might, man, uh, that guy gives me a little bit of pause. I, I understand the reference, but man, almost shot for shot. I don't know. It hasn't been, it hasn't been that long since Conan. People still watch it. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too judgy, judgy about that. But it's so exactly, it's, it's almost too close to Conan the Barbarian at points. But it looks great. But my question was, when I saw it was, look, I like all the Norse stuff. In spite of the associations. I think all the Norse stuff is cool. As a black guy, I think all the Norse stuff is cool. I'm happy for white people that y'all have, y'all have these heroes to look up to. But goddamn, when do black people get a movie that, that looks this badass? Why do we get Black Panther? That corny shit. Bloodless. Only cool dude is Killmonger in that. Why can't we get something that this bad that's this badass? Some motherfucking Zulu warriors. Some Nubian princess invading Egypt, taking over. I want to see that shit. I want to see a movie about the sub-Saharan Africans moving up to Egypt, taking over, kicking some ass. I want to see that movie. Lots of people, when I mention this, also mention, you know, you can't just have some fucking anti-colonial struggles. Those would be beautiful to see on the screen. 
I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you whites. I'm happy for white people. I'm glad you get you're getting another Viking movie. But give give us a little something. <laughs> give us a little something, you know? Something where we can be badass. I guess Django. We got Django. But I mean, I don't know. I want to go back further. I want to go back further. We got history. Show it. Vikings, you've had your turn. You've had a lot of Viking stuff, okay? I want some black stuff. I want some I want some pre-colonial Africa stuff. I want the shit that I want the the months before a Chebe's book starts, you know? I want I want some of that old shit. That would be nice to see. Well, if we don't have any more callers, we've been going for about an hour. I'm going to wrap up the show here. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. Much appreciated. Thank you for following, subscribing. Make sure to follow the show. Make sure to like the show. Make sure to follow me. If you want to start a show and call in, you can do so. In fact, I heard, oh my God, it was so cute. I heard like this 13-year-old. He started a little show to explain like video game news to kids who didn't understand it. It was the cutest thing. It was so cute. He was like, so if you guys don't get understand why this happened this got pushed back so this is why this happened <laughs> it was so cute i hope he's like sharing it with his little friends it's fun it's a fun app you can make your own show you can make your own call-in show half the pot I, I can swear to god all those podcasts you're listening to on those other shows they don't have a call-in show and they don't know how to start one you can get a jump on them <laughs> but uh, thank y'all so much for listening to my call-in show culture. Have a good night. Peace.